For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. April 7th, Wednesday night, as we are in the uh, middle of, I believe, an eight-day stretch of WWE producing some kind of original content for us here on this massive, crazy WrestleMania and NXT TakeOver week. It's the Wrestling Inc. podcast all across the Wrestling Inc. social media platforms. Thanks for staying up with us, or thanks for listening to us uh, Thursday morning, if that's what you're doing. We appreciate it. I'm Justin LeVar, alongside the Blueprint, Matt Morgan, and from Forbes.com, he is Alfred Kunua. Gentlemen, how we doing? Good, good. <laughs> that's how I'm doing. <laughs> A man of just one sound effect. Doesn't need any other words to describe <laughs> no, it No, because Raj is squeezing two shows out of me, and I don't like it. For the same price, right? Yes. Tight All ass. right, well. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm we joking. got uh, AEW Dynamite tonight. Of course, this is the last night, mind you. These two programs are going to be going up head-to-head on Wednesdays. We have AEW Dynamite tonight, NXT TakeOver Night 1. NXT yeah. will be moving to Tuesdays next week. So the final yeah. time, Matt, that we have to do this. Uh, but TakeOver Night 1, we'll go ahead and start with NXT TakeOver uh, since it is kind of like the, the bigger built show. Uh, it's it's their their WrestleMania, so to speak. So, uh, Alfred, you want to go ahead and jump us in? Absolutely. NXT TakeOver Stand and Deliver Night 1 uh, kicks off with Nita Strauss. She played Shinsuke Nakamura out in that great entrance at WrestleMania 34. She plays a national <laughs> anthem, electric guitar version, very clean, very smooth. Uh, and we immediately get into our first match of the night, Kushida versus Pete Dunne. Uh, this match did all kinds of stuff. It starts off submission. We get joint manipulation. Turns into a slugfest and a brawl. The finish comes when Kushida has basically been selling his hand because of all the joint manipulation. So uh, he hits Pete Dunne with the right hand and hurts himself. Then Pete Dunne steps on his hands, and we get the bitter end for the clean win. Pete Dunne beats Kushida. What would you think about this match, Matt? Awesome. This was freaking awesome, this match. Um everything about it psychology was all Pete Dunn psychology like he's one of my favorites to watch because his ring psychology is superb he's wrestling in a day in an era in which it's all spot 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 and while he could he'd still do all that stuff he tells these incredible stories he paints really good portraits out there that is very easy to understand he works a body part which is generally always the fingers in hand but it never gets old I love watching the joint manipulation. Um, and Shawn Michaels predicted this could be the show stealer of the night easily. Um, I don't think they disappointed in that, quite frankly. And that's really saying something because this pay-per-view was frigging good, I thought. Really good. But uh, the whole pay-per-view as a whole, by the way, definitely delivered in my opinion. But this match itself, uh, what a hell of an opening. Like, this opened the show. That's how amazing this card was going to be for the rest of the night. But uh, one last thing about this that I wasn't really a big fan of Kushida in the beginning for the longest, quite frankly. But uh, he's definitely grown on me, and they kept him strong, believe it or not, even though he lost. That's an important takeaway. He was on the offensive, doing something offensive when he got hurt, which protects him with his loss. Yeah, this uh, look, how you start a show is, especially on these big time shows, how you start a show is just as important as how you end it. There's no shame in being the opener on these kind of things to go out and set a tone. Um, And Alfred, you said it perfectly in your recap. 
this was built around being like, okay, who's, who's the, the masters of the technical wrestling. And when we did, like Matt said, we got the joint manipulation, we got some technical stuff, but yeah, then it, and then it escalated to a slugfest, which, you know, did allow us to see a new side of Kushida. You know, it, it did allow him to be more than, than a, than a, uh, you know, the cosplay, you know, guy that I'm still trying to figure out. Get, you know, he had fire. Um, yeah, joint, yeah. done. I don't know if this is the plan originally. Uh, you know, it's, it's obviously it's crazy times in, in wrestling. I don't know if this is the original plan for him come take over for this, but nonetheless, you knew that they wanted him to get a win. They, it feels like they have something they're building him for. So, yeah, excellent start uh, for this uh, takeover. Yeah, I just love the idea that it's about the best wrestler in the world, and I was afraid they would just do a straight submission as if best wrestler in the world means one thing, and they did all kinds of different stuff. This felt like a greatest hits for both guys as to what all they can do in the ring. There's a lot of range from both guys, from high-flying to technical, so it was exciting in a number of ways, I thought. Yep. Then we get our next match. So uh, this is a gauntlet eliminator, six-man gauntlet eliminator. Uh, we start off with Swerve Scott and Leon Ruff. Uh, then in comes Bronson Reed. We get a scary German suplex spot. It was a double German suplex. Where Leon went way high in the air and landed on a high angle, but he was fine. And then Cameron Grimes at one point tries to give money to Swerve Scott, so they're working together for a little bit. Uh, we get Dexter Loomis goes in there. He has a scary landing when he gets his leg caught up in between the ropes, but he's fine. Uh, and then LA Knight comes in, cutting a promo. Uh, and uh, this is when the pinfall starts. So um, it basically comes down to um, Swerve Scott and Bronson Reed. And we can get into everybody who's beaten later. But uh, Reed takes a crazy bump on the apron. He kicks out of a 450, and then he comes back, fires up, and hits a big splash for the win. I mean, I thought Swerve Scott and Bronson Reed were fantastic in this final two match. They were. I just don't agree with the finish. I don't. I, I don't see it with Bronson Reed. I, I don't. Am I supposed to say I'm impressed because he, he he's like I'm thinking of the whole roster of the different talents to be put in a predicament to be showcasing with a victory on a major pay per view like this. They obviously like him. That's a given. Um, I just I can list like 10 other male talents that I would definitely push before this kid. No offense to him. I'm just being honest. So I feel like I'm getting something shoved down my throat a little bit, not overly just, just, just a little bit out of all those talents in the ring. To me, he screams less money than three of those other talents in there. I'd say. Yeah, this, um, See, I do, I do like Bronson Reed, but I will agree, and I mean, I'm happy for him and, and what have you. And I again, I've, I know I've said this before. I like big guys that can move like him. But I will say, yeah, I, I kind of like everybody in this match. But the two that I like the most, the two that I see the most potential for in this moment now, LA Knight, LA Knight, and, and Cameron Grimes. And even though they haven't yes. been, even though they haven't been booking LA Knight off the start see, to be so, they're the two I would, that I really quick. I would throw Swerve Scott in there ahead of him too. By the way, they just don't yeah. book him. Yeah, I mean, I like all of them. So. I like all of them, but like Bronson's not the one I like the most. So I, I, I kind of felt like when when um, when Grimes and uh, when Grimes and LA Knight were out of there and when they weren't even part of the final two, I was like, mm. you know, like I don't know. I but again, I like they did well, but I know what you're yeah. saying, right? It's like when they came to the final two, I was like, yeah, mm, yeah. And let me just run down real quick the just the pinfalls that happened. It was Swerve Scott beat Leon Ruff, then LA Knight got a pinfall over Dexter Lewis, and he was choked out after he was eliminated, and he was eliminated by Bronson Reed, and then Swerve Scott beat Cameron Grimes, and then Bronson Reed beat Swerve Scott. Yeah. I mean, I, I was pulling for Swerve Scott at the end there, obviously, but I, like I said, I don't see much, that much money in Bronson Reed. I really don't. I'll, I'll be curious to see what kind of a match we get with uh, Bronson Reed and Johnny Gargano. That'll that'll be to see what Johnny. Maybe Johnny has proven he can work with anybody. Easy. So I'll, I'll be I'll be Easy. curious to see what what it is. 
It'll be a yeah, super simple yeah. match. Big, big man, little man match is one of the easiest matches to work and put together. So Johnny's going to put together a frigging masterpiece. I'll guarantee it. He's going to be bouncing all over the ring for him. Yeah. And well, well, big, 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 big man. No, big, go man, little, big man, little, but like, but I think it's even, you know, it's even easier predictable when the big man is the heel, but that's not the case here. So I, right. I, that's what I want to see what Johnny it's does. Johnny hitting the ropes, boom, eating tackles with big man standing in the middle, that kind of booking. Overall. Well, I was just going to say to your point, Justin, that Johnny Gargano just worked a similar type of situation with Keith Lee in those series of matches and even Dexter Loomis when he was a much more babyface. And I thought he made great adjustments. And I think there's even more so problems with a guy like uh, Bronson Reed, given how athletic he is and, you know, how the top rope stuff that he likes to do. So right. I think this should be a pretty promising match. Um, we get Walter versus Ciampa. Uh, Ciampa's back to his trunks, his DIY style trunks. Uh, he's uh, selling his right hand is the story of this match. As Walter has hurt his right hand because he accidentally chopped it on the announce table. Uh, they're just beating the hell out of each other. This match, both with the live crowd and the piped in ch uh, chance, gets fight forever. And this is awesome chance. Uh, the finish came where Walter hit a German suplex on Ciampa. And then uh, Walter also became the first person to ever kick out of the fairy tale ending. And then he followed yeah. up with a, a big right hand and a chop with his injured hand after the German suplex and beat Tommaso Ciampa clean. I'm okay with that. And I'm I like the, not the driver. I'd say I'm probably in the back seat. Yeah. I'm in the, the second bus seat of, if you will, of the Ciampa uh, fan bus, if you will. I'm not driving it, but I am for Walter. I dude, like he is so good. He is so impressive. I can't believe the kid that I saw at 18 Versus what he is today, he's a full-grown man. <laughs> he is a man, and I don't know how to say it. When I watch him work, I believe he is saying, "Fuck this work business. <laughs> I'm here to literally kick your ass. Get your guard up." I believe it. I believe it. And I wrestled. I've, I'm in from the business, right? I know it's a work more than anyone, but I believe everything that dude does. God, he's impressive. Yeah, I agree about Champa, and then it's a, it's kind of the same thing with Walter. You know, the, the, the you know they, they had that mentality. It's the same thing you see with Sheamus, so you know, on, on the main roster. And it's always fun when you get two guys that you know that are going to go in and going to hit hard. Because and that's this is the match that I was most looking forward to actually coming into this night. And the funny thing about it is it's the match I was most looking forward to. It's the match that I thought was the most predictable. And I think mm -hmm. part of it is I, I believe Walter's actually promoted for tomorrow's NXT UK in a title match. So I was like, well, he's not dropping it. But even even knowing that, Ice is like, I just want to see how they get there because it's going to be an ass kicking. Yeah. It, it delivered. A little interesting that they also went with the whole selling of the hand because it was a great story of Walter and how and how lethal his hand his one hand is, and then like and then the injury and then the injury to it. And now he's he'd only got one hand, but I, but coming right off of Pete Dunn and the joint manipulation, I was a little like, hmm, that's. I was okay with that. Yeah, I mean, I, it was not, it's not a show breaker. It's just something that, like, not, you not know, often we, you see that. What Justin's re yeah, and Justin's referring to is you're supposed to watch each other's matches. If you're working a body part, you're supposed to pick a different body part um, than what the fans just saw. Because there's only so much offense you could do to the back. There's only so much offense you could do if you're the heel working the abdomen. There's only so much offense you could do if you're the heel working the baby face's left leg. There's only so much you could do of each body part. So you try to switch the body parts per match if talent actually knows what the hell they're doing. Um, and usually, yeah. But, but for this, I was okay with it because I also would make the argument, you know, Justin, when we watch real sports, what the heck? You guys still see me? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, 
Sorry about that. Um, in real sports, right? If somebody gets injured, you know, nobody's there to say, wait a minute. The, the guy who just got up to bat last time, you know, tore his knee running the first base. And now there's another one that this happened to. Something's fishy here. You know what I mean? We don't look at it that way. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, well, I was okay I, with it. Yeah. And I, I was more or less bringing it up in the sense of it's unusual and especially in a WWE produced you're, world. You're where, right. Where, where, things are, right. where things are pretty sterile. You don't normally see that. But, Pete Dunn makes right. a habit. It's part of his gimmick to do joint, joint manipulation. And I guess Walter, you know, his his hard hitting is a big part of his gimmick. So, I mean, it, it's not out of place. It's not like both guys, not, not like both matches randomly decided to work the, the knee, you know. So, um, a few super chats here. Uh, Stella Justin Lopez. Walter doesn't perform. Walter kills. Hey. Right back, uh, to give us that... Uh, Give us that tagline and Krona uh, Shaw, $2. Eric Rowan tweeted to Triple H, he wants to face Walter. Oh, that's interesting. I did not Recently? That. I, I don't know. I'll have to, we'll have to look that up. Wow. Um, yeah, I mean, Walter just, you know, he's obviously he's not a shredded body guy. He's just kind of big and oaf looking, but he's he's still, he's just a hard hitting. He's heavy set. What does this yeah. call it? He's a heavy set big dude. Yeah, but, yeah but he looks yeah. like a tough guy. Yeah. But he is the most believable guy there, yeah. in my opinion. I agree. Um, we get uh, another promo for this little dog tease. Uh, the little dog runs up to uh, the owner, which turns out to be Frankie Monet. A lot of speculation that that is Taya Valkyrie, uh, who owns the dog. I believe her name is Frankie. So Frankie Monet, and the tagline is "See you next Tuesday," which implies she's going to be a real dog owner. Coming to next yeah. Tuesday, gentlemen. <laughs> <laughs> hey guys, thought I was going to say it, didn't you? I was, I was like, I was like, he's, I was like, he's not going to go there. <laughs> I thought you were just going to say, be, I thought you were just going to say, be, she's going to be a real CNX Tuesday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to promote their move. I, I like that. Are um, are are, are Raj's young Dunno yeah. right now? It just went right over their head. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll see you next Tuesday. What's wrong with that? The real, uh, what the do you guys real. think about uh, Ty Valkyrie coming to NXT? How do you think that's going to go, Matt? Great. I I hope so, at least for her. I hope she's earned this. She's worked very hard to get to this point. She lived in Mexico. Let me to go move to Mexico or Japan for 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 anything, let alone wrestling. Is in my opinion, you immediately earn my respect because you're sacrificing so much to do that. And she was over there quite a while in Mexico. I went. I did a Triple A Mania. That's where I met her for the first time. I was like, "You're Canadian, and you're." Wait, what? You live here? She's like, yeah, I've been here for like years. And uh, I was really impressed by that. And she stayed there even long after that. And then she finally got her chance with Impact. I thought she did a great job there. And uh, she, I think she's a star. I, I hope I hope they book her accordingly. But the, the jury's still out. We'll see. Yeah, I, I agree with what Matt said. I mean, if you're right now, if you are a female professional wrestler in, in North America, I mean – it, it's 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 the it's the deeper it's the deepest waters. If you, if you oh, have con- if you, I mean if you if you have contracts from all the major companies, Impact, ROH, AEW, WWE. Yeah. I mean it's the deepest waters if you choose the NXT WWE route. It but is. if you're the most sure of yourself, obviously you got the biggest payoff of it. You know, so uh, we'll see how yeah. she does. Um, Matt, I'd be curious to hear your uh, answer to this. Steve Marcatilli, four ninety nine. He says, "If I'm crazy to think uh, Walter versus Brock would be incredible, you've obviously Absol- worked Brock." Uh huh. Yes. Oh, absolutely. I guarantee you Brock loves watching his stuff. I guarantee you he said something um, <clears throat> to somebody listening. I guarantee it. Um, 
yeah, he would love that. Are you kidding me? He used to like working with Bob Holly because of the chops and working stiff and things like that. Like, so Walter, yeah. Yeah, I think that's, uh, you know, Matt, you, again, you could speak to this. And I, I think, um, I, was, I think it was Daniel Bryan the other day in an interview I was reading some quotes for. And, and Daniel Bryan, basically, I'm paraphrasing, was basically saying some people have this illusion of Brock. And maybe Brock wants it. Of, you know, he, he, he's not going to do anything for free, duh. But that right. he, but he just shows up for money and doesn't care about wrestling. But, but Daniel Bryan said, no, this guy actually really loves wrestling. He loves the, the art of what's going on. He just wants to be paid accordingly for it. Um, yeah. I, I thought those were really interesting quotes and insights from, from the guy who's like the, 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 the fan who's the most cynical about Brock Lesnar is the fan who probably yes. loves Dan O'Brien. So I thought it was very yes. interesting to hear Brian say that. Yes. Great call. I never got the whole Brock is all about the money and that makes him a bad wrestler. Like some of the best wrestlers ever, you know, Hulk Hogan to the world are the greatest at getting that bag. So there's nothing that just makes him more of a pro wrestler to me that he knows how to get money. Because, because he's big and muscular. So therefore the fans think he doesn't know how to work. At least they used to think that. Um, and because he can't do all the high spots that all these other guys do, the younger guys, that ah, he doesn't know what he's doing. He doesn't know how to work. He's just being lazy and being big and strong. No, you guys. Tell, that's why his when he gets into it and tells his stories, they're some of the best stories that you still remember to this day. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, he's not going to do anything for free. He's not a mark for himself. So, he, you know, if you want him to do it, he doesn't need to go back and see tape of himself. Uh, yeah. if, you, if you want him to do it, pay him to come do it. I will guarantee you he has not watched tape of himself un, un, unless Jim Cornette made them back in OVW. I will guarantee you that's the last time he watched tape of himself. Dollar <laughs> uh, 99 combo breaker. Zoe looked good on the pre-show. Glad she won. Yeah. Um, uh, she went up against Tony Storm. Um, okay. And got us and got a surprising win against Tony Storm. Um, so that was something for her. And we also got uh, five dollars from Mark Hicks. Comment. He says, "I'm waiting on Tessa to show up. Think it's possible." Of course, he's referring to Tessa Blanchard. Hmm. Um, I, I would say if, if you're going to see her in, in, in either of the two, it would be NXT, not AEW. But I don't know if that's going to happen or when that would happen. Anything's possible. We'll see. We have uh, Grizzled Young Vets versus MSK versus Legado Del Fantasma. So this match starts off very slow at a Grizzled Young Vets type pace because they're controlling it. Uh, but then once it hit that second gear, I felt like it didn't let up. Uh, There's a lot of high flying. Even at one point, the Grizzled Young Vets did a dive off the stage. Um, kind of an insane match. Very good coordination, I felt. Uh, the finish came where MSK, uh, they won with their double team blockbuster, pitting the Grizzled Young Vets and becoming the new NXT Tag Team Champions. Well deserved, boys, and, and and oh my God, you got my text in the middle of this match when Wes yeah. Lee came in for his hot, what what I thought was the hot tag. Holy crap! Guys in the chat room, girls in the chat room, tell me I'm crazy. That stuff Wesley was doing in his comeback, I, I'm not joking, guys. I texted both of these guys on the show. Literally, the words "holy shit." Um, I was I'm very impressed with him with both of them, but that comeback, I was like, I've not seen that to that effect. And I've seen every spot there is essentially, at least I thought I have everything he does is just God dang. His vertical leap is insane. And his back handspring and in, back into the, just, yeah. oh my, God, my head was just blown watching that blown. Yeah. Fans for your, uh, for your blueprint, blueprint barometer. Uh, Matt did text us that, and it, Matt, it's not Matt's not a regular texter during the shows. Yeah, so. <laughs> I'll take off Morgan. <laughs> right. So, so if the phone goes off and it's him, and it, and it's not, and he's still doing the show tonight. It's not him saying, "Hey, schedules change," and he's got this comment about this guy that he's name dropping on the TV. It's like, wow, <laughs> this is impressed the blueprint. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, I mean, this was um, 
I, I loved a lot of it. I mean, this was at this point in the night, as I'm watching this match, I'm going, okay, there's, um, there's still, I think, one more match to go. And I'm like, good Lord, like the, the, these poor women in the main event, they're going to have to follow all this. Um, but this is great. You know, obviously, MSK kind of, you know, getting fast track to the titles because the titles had to be vacated, yeah. but I have no problem with it. It's obvious. I mean, look, they came in cold and won the Dusty Classic. So the titles are going around their waists inevitably. Uh, just maybe this just right. fast passes it by four or six months. But um, yeah, very okay excited. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Me too. Absolutely. Right. Very excited. Oh, 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 hey, let's be clear. Um, we put you put over, you know, a young grizzle vets, but what about what Fantas? What the hell they call it? How do you say yeah, Legato del Fantasma was great in this match, too, right? They had a lot of good stuff in this match. I want to see those just those two teams, just just two on two, like you know what yeah. I mean? Like, I pay money for that. This Alfred, really didn't have that Hardy's Edge and Christian Dudley, right? Where you had the high flyers, you had the brawlers and the grizzled young vets, and then you had the in betweeners with Legato del Fantasma who could do a little bit of it all. This was yes. really like I really liked how they kind of made that connection here. And for fans going like, oh man, you usually don't cheer for the high spot guys, and all they do is where you know, and you complain all they do is high spot, high spot, high spot, and you want more psychology and more body language and character. Watch uh, 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 Delgado Fantasma. How do I say it? Fantasma. Fantasma. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Watch, watch, watch his facials, especially. Uh, um, there's their, their their facials are spot on. Guy kicks out of their stuff. Watch their facials. Watch how they sell it. They're they're, they're the whole package. If I'm if I'm being honest with you, they could because they could do everything, and I think they do everything really well. Yeah, and uh, you know Raul Mendoza and um, and Shima or uh, Shima Walking uh, Wild. They yeah they look good too. And, and a good and a good note to take away from this, I believe that MSK. I think they pinned Grizzled Young Vets. So of course you got you no. got Fantat- yeah. So I mean, fa- so I mean, Phantasma. They have the the, the, the say. Look, we, we should be number one contender. Even pin us. Yeah. So we we got more of this hopefully coming uh, from uh, some of these some of those guys that are involved in that. Yeah. Uh, Forty. I don't know the currency, but thank you. Uh, mm-hmm. Saying the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega was same in New Japan Pro Wrestling. I guess he's saying the same as your compliment about MSK. Maybe he's saying the same storyline because they're running it back. <laughs> Maybe too. I don't know what he's saying. I hope he's not insinuating like I didn't follow the Young Bucks and Kenny Omega in New Japan. Like he's the one wrestling fan. Not that sure. According to the market on watching their matches somehow. Not I hope sure. that's not. Okay. We'll, we'll get to it when we get to AEW point. But thank you for your uh, super chat, anyways. <laughs> yes. We get to our main event. It's Raquel Gonzalez versus Io Shirai. So this match starts out with uh, a lot of uh, striking and brawling to the outside. Uh, then it gets pretty crazy. Io Shirai ends up doing a top rope, top dive from the top of the skull on the stage at NXT TakeOver. Um, Io Shirai then hits her moonsault on Raquel Gonzalez, and Raquel kicks out, becoming the first person to ever kick out of Io Shirai's moonsault. Uh, Gonzalez flips her inside out with a clothesline, finishes her off with a one-arm powerbomb, and your new NXT champion is Raquel Gonzalez. Awesome. champion. Yeah, this was uh, this did deliver. By the way, this did this did not get overshined by the matches beforehand, because um, they did a good job of building to this match. I thought uh, the only very small I got to be nitpicky a little bit because I love Raquel Gon- Gonzalez, and I would love to work with her on 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 continuing to work big. The other part of continuing to work big is how you celebrate when you win the championship. 
she was all over the place and i get to trust me guys i'm not that big of a mark for myself that i can't i i understand that it's a it's it's an emotional moment trust me i get that you gotta shut it off they, they always say well what do you mean matt you're supposed to you know show if you have real emotion in something shouldn't you want to show it okay yes unless there's one rule of thumb that you're booked as a giant if you're booked as a big man or a big woman or a giant or a mon a shit kicking monster, no, you you can, you gotta hold, you gotta reel it back in just slightly. It should be holding this title, and like Brock, start headbutting that motherfucker, gig yourself. You know what I mean? Look like an animal, or better yet, damn right, this is my title. What who, what else did you think was gonna happen tonight? Are you guys out of your mind? You actually thought this sawed off midget pissant was gonna beat me? Are you out of your mind? Like that attitude, right? That's as much charisma as I would put on it. Everything else has got to be like, I was, of course I was going to win. What are you nuts? Like that should have been it. Not like, Oh my God, I did it. Oh my God, I did it. Oh my God. So my hard work has paid off and I finally did it. No, you're a monster. You're a monster. This was already in the cards for you because you're the biggest badass in that division. And again, what did you guys think was going to happen here tonight? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that attitude. Because it works with the character. And when I see her defend that title, a la a Brock Lesnar, for example, you would never see Brock doing that. The craziest it ever got for Brock was at the top of the cage versus Undertaker. Um, Hell in a Cell, I believe, of him headbutting the title and whatnot. That's as, as emotional as I've, as I've ever seen him. And I'm not saying you have to be Brock Lesnar or Carbon Copy. I'm just saying you got to constantly keep it up here, staying in character, especially in a moment like that. And I'm being incredibly nitpicky for the record because this match was a 10 out of a scale of 10. Um, I just want to see her go now and dominate the rest of the entire women's division on Raw and SmackDown. <laughs> She's yeah, no, the I shit. Mean, yeah. She is the shit. No, I mean, but it is, it is, it is fair big man critique coming from a big man. Um, you know, yeah, I mean, it, she's the heel that's that's six foot tall, beating the five foot one champion. You know, yeah, that right. was it was very Shawn Michaels boyhood dream, boyhood dream. There you go. Sure. That's what I was looking for. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like I said, that that aside, it is amazing, folks. And go back, you know, go back and, and watch stuff from a year ago. It is absolutely amazing how much Ra Raquel has improved in twelve right. months. Um, that's why she's the bleep. She's done this so quickly. Yeah, and and. and Again, this match was in a tough spot to to to, to have to main event what was just a, a solid show. There, we, we we haven't we, there was no weak spot in the show really. No. Again, nitpicky no. stuff, but no, no weak spot. But I thought that they did a good job. They stayed within a lane, and what I mean that is, I mean, look, Ra Raquel's she's gotten way better in twelve months, but she still has more growth to go. But I thought Io did a great job. Uh, you know, some of the selling that she did for Raquel, some of the flipping and flopping. So this this match accomplished the big the big babyface spot off the skull at the entranceway. Yeah. Um, this did a lot of things, and they, they they kept making sure to make a point of how long Eos had the title, so that's not being forgotten. That even though she lost it, this is this is a huge end of an era. So kudos to her, even more kudos to Raquel for knocking her off. I think everything that needed to be done was done here, uh, and and keep in mind this is a two night event. So night one needs to end with something important, a title change. But you know there was no big mystery attack. There was no new person showing up because they need to, they need to leave room for night two to be able to to excel. I, I was okay. I thought that was a very good exclamation mark at the end of the pay-per-view. Yeah, title, title change, right, yeah. yeah title change. Like, sorry. Yeah, um, I like 
Yeah, Antoine Fair, $5, says Gonzalez win, and looking that good made Vince's eyes go money. Uh, yes, so we, uh, we got another one here, I believe. Uh, Tom Case, $2, says Io Shirai call-up, question mark. It's that, it's that season we always see right after Mania. There's always some, right. some ch- changes, so this would That's that great. kind of thing would yeah, – title changes certainly signals that. Um, and Christian S., where does EO go now? Stay in NXT or does she go to Japan? Um, I don't. Why well, is her contract up? I, I don't know. I, I haven't heard that it is. So I guys, the title is not a real thing. It's not a real thing. She can still be a very successful star without being the NXT champion. What are you talking about, Matt? The title is her visa. She just got it ripped up. <laughs> <That'd be> terrible. <laughs> I got to run inside real quick. I'll be right back. Okay. So, what did you think about NXT Takeover uh, as a whole, Justin? Again, as a whole, for the, for the first night, I thought it was it was just it was it was just rock solid. I mean, I, I yeah. kept waiting for there to be like something that was going to be like just a slow cooldown, and there wasn't. You know, like I said, every every critique that we really can, I, I think, realistically pull out is is, is prefaced with this is a nitpick. You know, t- whether it's Matt's celebration, oh, you just won a world title, or whether it's. Um, you know what I said earlier about okay, they worked the hand and and two of the, th- the first three matches. I mean, that's it, it, picky stuff, but overall, every I mean, every everybody that was supposed to get over, get over. I mean, again, we talk about the gauntlet stuff, you got a lot of players in there, so it's like you know, who, who truly is your ranking and who goes where. But, um, but again, that's a nitpick, they're all good. L- yeah, let's I give it, let's good. give it a score though, one to ten though, Justin. What are you giving it? Yeah, uh, I'm gonna say that show was an 8.5. I'm gonna give I, it a I'm nine. Gonna- yeah, I was gonna say the same thing. Nine. Okay, I guess I'm being. I guess I'm, I guess I'm got like a really tough. I'm, I'm a tough grade. I really, yeah, guys. I was really listen. The middle of this sandwich, if you will, the middle of this show, I was really impressed with. Yeah. Uh, Alejandro two dollars uh, says Eos also sold well when Raquel uh, kicked yeah, out. She did. So, yeah. Yeah, a lot of things. This was just. Um, yeah, I mean, again, a, a solid show. You know what's 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 kind of disappointing is that. So this show tonight was on the USA Network as, as NXT normally is, and then had commercials. Or you could watch commercial-free if you already are signed up and uh, subscribed to Peacock, and you just basically get to just keep continue seeing the action during the uh, commercial break. Um, but we're not going to – I mean, this was one of the best NXT shows they put on since being on Wednesday nights. Uh, and, but we're not going to know the true viewership, at least by the scale of how viewership's normally given to us in these Wednesday Night Wars, because a portion of the audience is on Peacock, and, we're in P- and, and these streaming services don't normally give you – any kind of specific data. All the, the most they do is say such and such was the highest ranked thing in the month of, of April. So we won't really get the true numbers, at least based upon the scale that we've been getting numbers in this Wednesday night war. So, but right. AEW. <laughs> so that was NXT. All right. Uh, so over to AEW dynamite, they are live back to being live tonight. Uh, and we kick it off. They got the hangman page coming to the ring. He's going to have a singles match against Max Caster, of course, out doing a rap. Uh, Anthony Bowen's uh, by his side with the boombox. Uh, this match, uh, Hangman definitely having to play the numbers game here. Is uh, he's got a two on one situation. They're trying to cheat. Um, you know, we got uh, uh, boombox trying to be used. Ultimately, a chain is given to uh, Caster. He ends up uh, uh, using the chain, but that would not be enough. Still, uh, false, falsely there. Uh, Hangman still not going to be put down, even with the, che- che- uh, the chain and the cheating. Uh, he ends up hitting uh, the buckshot lariat and. Uh, uh, and then a moonsault, or he goes for the, yeah, and then a moonsault, and then uh, Buckshot Lariat, and then gets a cover. One, two, three. Uh, Hangman Page grabs some beers and walks through the stands. Tosses a beer to IWC Wrestling's 
Andrew Palace was in the crowd there tonight, and uh, they made a point to say today's National Beer Day, so how fitting that the Cowboy gets to drink some beer after winning a match. This was good. Uh, I've, I'll be honest, I've got to go back, and I've got to watch it again because my eyes were glued to Pete Dunn doing his thing. Yeah, uh, mine too, but with the exception of Caster's rap where he says, Platinum, the flyest in the air, catch you slipping like Joe Biden on the stairs. <laughs> and then he also said, check your thug process. I'm dancing with the devil like a little Nas X. So very, very timely topical references from this young Very timely. And I, I thought that, and you know, he, they kind of tricked me into like, this might be the night he pulls it upset because he had those heel tactics. I guess he used uh, brass nuts or something like that or a foreign object. Uh, so I was really actually pulling for Max Caster to pull an upset because we're talking so much about Hangman Adam Page being the number one ranked wrestler in, uh, in the division right now in terms of a number one contender. But, you know, it was good to see uh, Hangman Adam Page keep his momentum going. But I really liked Matt Caster again out here. For sure. I was, I, 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 I was hoping Caster won and pull the upset off. You know, and that's kind of like uh, I'll get to. I'll actually get to that later. That's actually one thing I'll say about AEW is that they, you know, we, they love to give everybody shine and time, even when traditional paper shouldn't. But it's not even believable anymore. Like it's so predictable because like they they don't really cash in on upsets. They give they give the underdog all kinds of shine, but the underdog never gets a win. So it's kind of like I'm like, all right, now you just wasted my time at a longer match when it should just be shorter, feature the stars, big moves. But I know that's very 1987 thinking of me. Um, I should mention too, just before that match, they actually opened with Jericho and, and all the inner circle showing up and with all their crazy uh, vehicles and, and such to, to make a point to say that's going to be a big part of the show is the inner circle. Uh, Jody Shauna Jenkins, five Canadian. My only comment on tonight's show was the Tyson segment. I enjoyed it, but Excalibur and Shivani laughing during it was brutal in my opinion. Yes. So we'll get to yes. that here uh, in just a moment. Uh, speaking of Shivani, he's in the ring. He introduces the Death Triangle. Uh, so outcome. Uh, the brothers and Pack, uh, and then uh, just as they are getting ready to start talking, here comes Orange Cassidy. <laughs> Orange Cassidy uh, uh, and his be- and best friends and Chris Statland, and they're all out there. And uh, Cassidy showing some footage on the big screen uh, back to early 2020, which that seems like five years ago of uh, Pack and the Death Triangle just beating up Orange Cassidy. So basically, uh, calling the shots that they uh, they uh, they're back in town is what they said to get some revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It was yeah, what it was. Yeah, I felt the same way. Uh, they gave a little tease. They showed Tyson some B-roll talking with Jaguars head coach Urban Meyer. So getting a little little mingling there. And then we get the inner circle. They come out. Uh, great great karaoke going on by the crowd. And Jericho uh, Jericho says, I got a lot to say, but you're going to see it after the break. <laughs> <laughs> His first couple sentences is a baby face. And he just turns heel immediately. Right. <laughs> ah. So a TV production troll job there by... <laughs> AEW. Uh, of course, they're going to hold the fans. Uh, so they come back. Uh, he, co- he he talks about how they got beat up by the pineapple, and then he gets corrected by Sammy. It's the pinnacle. Uh, he apologizes for letting people down, apologizes for anything he said, basically apologizing for all of his heelish acts, that if he offended anybody he saw, he's a baby face now. That's basically what he says. Uh, he refers yeah. to MJF as my jerk-off friend. He continued to refer to MJF as my jerk-off friend. Uh, he just cut a fire promo. I'm going to go actually a little bit in the details here, because this promo is so so fire. Yes. I don't want to go gloss over it uh you know he talks about how mjf and them and they gave mjf a swirly and beat up the pinnacle last week uh he talks about how you know mjf you know thinks he's so good but but you know thinks he he's such a hard ass but then meanwhile he has a match has to run back and quickly grab his phone and see how loved and how how many great tweets and how many five stars he's given uh talks about how uh the, the jericho the term mark maybe the phrase should now be called a max 
Um, he continues to say how he's surrounding himself with sour men. He says, you call Tully Blanchard the greatest mind in the wrestling business? Tully Blanchard's a third-string four horseman who's somewhere between Ole Anderson and Paul Roma. He then goes, that F- was freaking awesome, by the way. But continue. He then goes, FTR. He goes, yeah, they are one of the best tag teams. I get that. The only problem is I can't tell which one's which because they're so interchangeable. Uh, and then goes to Sean Spears. He goes, Sean Spears, he apparently has upside. I've never seen it. He goes, the only thing I know about Sean Spears is a decade ago, he had he called my phone when the Fed released him, and he wanted to know what he should do next. Uh, so just continues just to roast, roast the inner circle with some obvious, you know, work shoot type comments that gets everybody going, ooh, and basically says that we are coming for blood, and that on May 5th, the uh, next pay-per-view, it's going to be Pinnacle versus Inner Circle in a blood and guts match. If I was Sean Spears, I would make my own promo for Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. Social media, you got to answer that back. Um, there are certain times you just have to say, screw the script, uh, because he's got another lease on life right now, and everyone keeps like making fun of him a little bit. You know what I mean? So he's got to do something verbally, finally, to get some type of whatever back. I mean, granted, the whole group does, but I thought he got it the worst because that, that was a shoot comment, right? Although there were some other good lines, but that one's close to home. You know what I mean? So I don't know. If I was Sean Spears, I'd be cutting a promo right now for my Twitter or some shit like that against Jericho um, just to get fans talking. But um, this was good. This was good. Great promo. Just, again, I'm going to argue the pinnacle is supposed to be the top established in the new heel group of this company. And once again, they were treated like toilet paper. Um, Chris Jericho is a very big star, huge star. And when he jabrones all of them that way, that doesn't make them. I'm sorry. That doesn't make them. What think about what the art of the promo is. If you're a baby face, right? You cut your promo as a baby face about what's going to happen when you get your hands on these dastardly heels that cheated to, do whatever they did to you as to why you're cutting the promo to begin with. So this was a babyface promo after you just kicked the crap out of them, completely chumped them, completely chumped them out. And then you come out and verbally chump them out. This is terrible booking. Well, we will get to some more in a little bit. Uh, we, we, we will see the pinnacle and in, in mm-hmm. the inner circle again. Matt, so when so when Jericho so when Jericho's cut the promo like this, and we all know that fan, you know fans, especially in this day and age, they they, they love it when when again the the, the, the it looks like it's yeah. like a big shoot. When yes. when when you're cutting it, when you're a Jericho, when you're the veteran, when you're the guy that, that's the leader of 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 the locker room, well not leader of the locker, room, but you're the veteran, and and you cut a promo when you're blurring the lines and you're using some real stuff like this. Uh, I mean, do you do you go to them and say I'm going to say this, or do you just go out and say it and you just yes. talk about it later? So they'll say that they didn't, but they did. I'm sure. I, I, I'm hoping <laughs> for poor Sean Spears' uh, case. Um, but so on and off, it depends. Maybe he didn't. Um, but that's why I, I, if they didn't, then I'm not asking permission to go on, make my own video on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and, and fire back immediately. Um, but again, he's supposed to be the baby face the most over guy in that company by far. It's Chris Jericho. He's a mega star, right? He's supposed to be helping spread the, whatever you want to call it, the the the, the Jericho dust, as it were, right? Uh, and helping getting these other talents over that are lesser known than him. Um, he just buried all of them. 
after the week he just literally took a steaming pile of dump on the entire group itself. I don't like this type of booking. I'm just being honest. I don't like it. And, uh, I will say, I thought this was a phenomenal promo by Chris Jericho. It was Jericho. a funny just, promo. I mean, you were of a promo. It. Like, if you compare it to MJF's, like, MJF's was a good pro wrestling promo, and I you know, didn't have too many problems with it other than the fact that it, I don't think it was too original. You know, it didn't really uh, set me on fire in terms of just being this groundbreaking promo. But with Chris Jericho, he kind of managed to reach that next level where it made me, like, for a split second, I was like, what the hell is Chris so hot about? Uh, because he was so good at like invoking the passion. Like I got goosebumps just seeing Justin recap that promo because of just how much Chris Jericho got into it. So I, I can see your point, Matt, in terms of him saying all this stuff that's kind of work shoot. I don't like when wrestling goes too inside, and it is kind of a general principle to put your opponent over uh, before you know you go in and fight them. But I do see this being kind of this blood war that's going to end probably in MJF getting his hand raised. So if this is a step in that direction, I, I really don't have a problem with it. Here's the problem. We've already seen their asses so to speak. Um, we've already seen the Pinnacle's asses. They've already shown us their asses. They, 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 they've gotten beat. They've been beat. They got the shit kicked out of them. This was so backwards. This promo should have been what we heard when the Pinnacle surprised Jericho and they left him and his guys buried. You know, and I would have kept those guys off television for maybe two months. I'm sorry. Two months I would have kept them off TV. Yep, that's eight episodes. Whatever that turns out to be, I don't care. I'd keep them off. And then when they come back, this promo from Jericho would have been perfectly okay. It would have been perfect. And by the way, it was more than perfectly okay as far as a promo goes. This promo was fire. Okay. I'm talking from a baby phase perspective. We can't just drop the narrative here on how we judge promos because we laughed at it and had a couple giggles because, ooh, that was real what he said. Versus, no, 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 we got to hold you to the same standard that we would hold anybody else. Was this an effective babyface promo? It only would have been effective if this was his first promo back after being having the crap kicked out of him and his group and being off TV because they all were injured for two months. Uh, absence makes the heart grow fonder, right? Then when they come back, everyone's missing them going, oh boy, Pinnacle's in trouble now. And by the way, Pinnacle could have just ran rough shot every single week, beating the crap out of everybody, winning matches after matches after matches, build themselves up. Now you have this Jericho babyface promo. You do not let these two teams, I don't care if it takes 100 security guards to break them up. You do not let these two teams touch before a pay-per-view. I would not have done that. But guess what? We got it all. We got it all two weeks after the fact. So this promo didn't do anything. Yeah, like I said, they chose May 5th to be this next uh, next match for them, and I, I misspoke. I think I said pay per view. I don't actually think it's a pay per view. I think it's just going to be a big episode of Dynamite. Um, what are we watching for? The baby faces have already got their come up. The heels already got their comeuppance. What am I watching for? Well, uh, Mike Tyson will get in the fold. We'll get to that here in a moment. Uh, we got uh, Pumpkinhead five dollars saying Stone Cold says what? What? There we go. Um, <laughs> Yeah, you know, I'm reading back now. I'm going through the promo again as you guys are talking. I was reading more word for word. I mean, and Spears definitely got the worst of it because, I mean, Tully's, reti I mean, Tully's retired. It doesn't matter there. But, you know, he says FTR is the best. You know, he, he put, does put it over MJF despite MJF stealing some of his gimmicks, even refers to the list from WWE. Um, you know, it says Wardlow has no brains, but has a body. But, yeah, Spears, in addition to the – has great upside, never seen it. He takes a shot at Spears' blonde mohawk and how out of touch it is for 2021. I mean, he, he really did lay into Sean Spears. That's I'll go back to read all this again. And Sean's the weakest member on that team. That's another reason why, like, come on, man. Like, 
you're, you're, I don't know. Uh, Five dollars from Sean322. Matt, there is a clipboard in the back because you just made the list. <laughs> Good one. Wow. Stellar Justin Lopez, 499. I didn't watch, but they're doing Blood and Guts May 5th, right? So what does that leave them to do at Double or Nothing four weeks later? We, it doesn't matter. None of it matters. Again, Chris Jericho. We saw the end. We saw the baby faces standing triumphantly already. And if that wasn't enough, folks, a week later, we verbally heard them stand triumphantly over your new top heel stable. No, no. You can't just give them a pass because I'm a huge AEW mark and I always overly score them as a friend of some of the guys on the roster. Admittedly, I, I do. I overdo it. I agree. But still, gotta we got to hold them accountable because that is not – that was terrible babyface 101. It, it just was terrible. Backwards, and again, I'm just going to keep saying the same thing ad nauseum. All right, we're moving on here. We'll see backstage uh, Christian. Uh, his interview is being interrupted by Taz, and Taz basically talking about how long they've known each other, and Taz offers Christian a spot with Team Taz. He says, I got some young guys on Team Taz. You could do a lot of teaching to them. He goes, they could also help do some grunt work, get you where you need to be here in AEW. Uh, Christian starts to – looks like he's getting ready to already turn him down, and Taz says, no, 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 just think about it. I don't want to put you on the spot. So uh, that's where we're – that's what we're dangling, I guess, right now for, for Christian is uh, Team Taz trying to recruit him. Nobody cares. Go ahead. Yeah. All right. Jurassic Express versus uh, Bear Country. So we got two babyface teams here going up to get uh, up at it here. A lot of a lot of a lot of big bodies here, other than Jungle Boy. Um, this yeah. match, I, I admittedly, I, I was tuning in and out of this. I did I did see a few of the highlights, but at the end of the day, it ended up coming with a uh, Luchasaurus choke slam on Boulder, and then the standing moonsault, which that would be the pinfall victory for Jurassic Express. This was, this was pretty good from what I could watch. Um, I'm a fan of uh, um, I, I like I, I like all four of them, you know. Yeah, but um, th- th- there's something there. I don't know which of the two it is. Which is the bigger one in the Bear team? Maybe that's it. The bigger of the two. Like there's something there with him. I like his. Uh, I like him. Yeah, um, yeah, he's pretty. He's he's good. The, the other one is too, but this one has much more much more size to him. He's more believable with certain things that he could do, and there's athletic as hell. Um, hate to see him take a loss on national television with not many matches uh, under their belt on and that on their national TNT channel. I know they're always on dark because I watch it, and they you, they do win, but uh, I don't know. This was a good match. Yeah, Bear Country really stood out to me. Like, there haven't been too many big man tag teams since, you know, um, the War Raiders got hurt or the Viking Raiders. And you haven't seen that style so prominent uh, across all companies. And I think Bear Country right. really kind of reminded me of that. I really liked how they used a lot of double team moves and they were so fast for how big these guys are. Yep. Good call. Uh, we got a super chat that just came in here. Kayla, $5, says, Which faction is the big in AEW, Kenny's group or the Pinnacle? Kenny's group seems a lot stronger than Pinnacle. After tonight, is it? Um, Kenny's group, obvious. Well, yeah, it's got to be Kenny's group. He's the world champion. Um, but it is supposed to – maybe I'm wrong, but when, when Pinnacle first took over, I don't know about you guys, I got goosebumps from that. I was like, this is a new formation of the Four Horsemen without being called the Four Horsemen. Yeah. Um, 
this is awesome. They're going to freaking take over this company. They're going to build them for week after week after week. And just got all thrown out the window. And again, it's MJF who, who eats the biggest crap sandwich in all of this. The most biggest potential star on that roster is MJF. He already is a star. But I mean, as somebody that's going to carry that company, he's right for the next 20 years if he decides to stay there that long. Is him. I would just be so much more careful how I book that kid. Jody Sean Jenkins, 5 Canadian. I agree with Matt about the factions. It's, do, it's during times like these, and you really have to ask yourself, what would DOA do? Disciples of Apocalypse? That's who I was thinking. <laughs> <laughs> what, what that? That's where my mind went was the biker group for the, from the 90s. What? Is that what she means? What else? <laughs> do, DOA. He's being a smart ass. Okay. I was like, is there, a, is there somebody in the business that I'm not thinking of that the, the books like with DOA? Like I wonder if they'll make it to Peacock. Yeah, I don't know. They might not make the cut. All right. Uh, the shoot promos continue. As we get a uh, pre-tape promo at the Nightmare Factory from QT Marshall and his uh, new faction. And uh, he proceeds just to run down Cody Rhodes, calls him a bargain sting at one point, uh, takes shots at his WWE career, says, you know, you had to play second fiddle to Ted Jr., referring to his days back in Legacy. He goes, or you, ha- or you, had, to, uh, you had to try to get over by hiding behind face paint. Um, then you got to come to, to your own company and you got to ma- and surround yourself by, <laughs> surround yourself by a bunch of vanilla midgets so you could actually be the star you always thought you were. Um, it just really just takes some, again, some shots at Cody and then proceeds to put over the three guys around him uh, in, his, uh, in his stable. So uh, uh, This was good. I love this promo. Yeah, I mean, they had the task of getting me interested in three guys that I couldn't care less about, you know, you know, because they haven't had the chance to do anything. And I was had that on audio, and I was watching NXT, and it just caused my attention to go over there. So for these three guys to kind of divert my attention from a pay-per-view, I just like what they had to say. I thought it was very simple. They didn't, you know, stretch too far, but I liked this a lot. Now, here's an example of work shoot where that works. He's the heel. Yeah. He's the heel doing this. We all know the payoff's going to be eventually Cody standing tall and getting his just due and beating him. So therefore, it's okay. Baby faces, you don't you try not to do the work shoot where you're making fun of the other the other person when you generally know as a baby face you're the one that's going to end up at the end of the day going over at, after the angle or at the end of the angle more than likely. And if it doesn't work that way, well, guess what? You just completely buried somebody that's then going to pin you which is stupid as well because now it makes you look weaker because guess what you just lost to that person you completely chumped out in jabron and said is this and this and the other thing and not important and is a jobber and all these other bad words and expletives or whatnot and then you get pinned by that person so what does that say about you now as the baby face that's why it's important as a baby face you do not overly bury your opponent you you build them up a little bit, but you also show the fire in there that you're not going to take whatever it is that they just did to you in a cool way, obviously, not corny, cliche way, an 80s baby face way. I don't mean it that way, but not take shots at them that everyone's going to now really believe that brings them down. Because now that they're down here, guess what? You way up here, they beat you. So what does that say for you? Another promo up next. Uh Tell me if you've heard of this one before. Uh, Tony Schiavone is going to interview Sting. <laughs> yeah, whatever. <laughs> so Sting comes out and once again gets erupt- interrupted. Uh, he's interrupted by Jake Roberts. Jake the Snake comes out 
and Roberts, you, you know, out every week, uh, Jake asks, where's your little gerbil friend referring to Darby Allen. Then Lance Archer comes out and grabs the mic from Jake. And again, more of the same, you know, you're taking my time, uh, you know, blah, 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 stinks, stinks, stinks. You're taking my time, taking my time. I, I was, a, I came in here, I was pushed to the main event. Then I was pushed back down. Then I disappeared. Then I was brought in again. Then I disappeared. Uh, and then Sting finally rips the mic away. And he said, and he, and he throws Archer and Jake for a loop when he goes, I totally agree with you guys. You are main event material. You are really good. And then he starts hollering at Jake. He goes, Jake, why can't you get him there? Why can't you bestow all the wisdom on him? Why, why is this so difficult? You got this big man here and you can't make it to the main event. Uh, and basically kind of challenges them to, to get their shit straight and, 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 and fulfill their potential. Um, and that's, that's how this was. That, my friends, is how a superstar Hall of Famer veteran gets over a younger talent. Right there. That was perfect. Lance Archer immediately shoots up. Because the Sting just said on record, he's a big star. He's a big deal. He is a main event talent waiting to happen. What the hell? What are you doing here, Jake, to cause it from not happening? So that immediately, all those months that we didn't see Lance Archer, where the hell is he? The company doesn't know what to do with him. That's all now irrelevant. Sting just put his blessing and stamp of approval on him on national freaking television. Doesn't get any better than that. Of all the sea of Sting promos that we've gotten, this is the best promo that he's cut in AEW. And it's funny because he said... It was kind of the storyline in that Sting was saying, hey, Jake, why didn't you get him there? But from a real-life perspective, it's crazy that like Sting has cut a better promo putting over Lance Archer than Jake has in months, huh. if not ever. Huh. Like, it's crazy that why is Sting cutting these promos? So I just love this from Sting. And, I mean, everything he says about Lance Archer is things that we've been saying for weeks now in terms of uh, how Lance Archer – I mean, months and, and how he needs to be booked and how he is a main event guy. Right. And I just love that Sting said this on national television. The best Jake Archer stuff has, and promo wise, has been the pre-tape stuff where they really got to produce it. You know, mm-hmm. Archer, Archer kicking people's ass in like the backwoods, and Jake, Jake well, could be Mister Soundbite, but live, it's been Rocky. Yeah. Well, well, well no. To be clear, it wouldn't matter if Jake the Snake Roberts went out there and cut a world beater, cut a world beater promo, uh, um, cut the next three, you know, Austin three sixteen promo about Lance Archer. It wouldn't matter. He's his manager. So, of course, he's supposed to build him up. So, we the fans like, well, of course, he's talking all this great shit about his own guy. He manages him. Duh. And they're both heels. So, we're taught not to trust heels. All right. But when the baby face does it, this is what I'm talking about. That is baby face promo 101. And Sting could not have done it any better. Uh, Nathaniel Cook, 299. Less is more with Sting. Way too many appearances. I do agree with that, but this yeah. was an appearance well worth it because they just made Lance Archer like that tonight with that. All right, so up next we get uh, Stings back out there with this guy Darby Allen, who's a TNT champion, uh, defending the title up against J.D. Drake, who's got Ryan Nemeth and Cesar Bonani uh, with them. As I say that, uh, Ryan Nemeth uh, and Cesar Bonani, uh, Nemeth, uh, Chris Panelio, Dallin Nemeth needs to stop copying his bro Ziggler. Yes, he is the brother of Dolph Ziggler. Uh, there's also another Nemeth. Namath, 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 Namath. Namath. Namath should do the zigzag, but call it the Nimnim. The Nimnim. That's silly. I mean, all right. <laughs> okay. Uh, so, 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 before we even got to it, uh, bringing bringing some super chats to it. Uh, anyways, this this is a match. Uh, Darby Allen ends up getting the victory, obviously, but this kind of goes to what I've said in the past. You know, AEW again, they love to give shine to guys. You know, in this case, it's JD Drake who are far lower down the pole getting getting the shot to be on dynamite but like it this only works i think if every now and again 
the, the, the underdog actually gets a surprise victory. Otherwise, you're just I think you're just wasting 12 minutes. I don't know. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yes. And yeah. especially with a smaller baby face like Darby. Um, because even though Darby's a huge star, physically speaking, it does look like somebody that's not as over as him, but let's say is built better than him and comes out of nowhere to rest. Like we've never seen them on TV before. Um, physically looks like you can beat Darby Allen in a match. So with Darby Allen, I'd be very careful how I booked him. I would not keep him in 12 minute matches versus people like this. That's for sure. It's more important that you protect him more than most guys on that roster actually. And how you book him got to have matches with him. He wants to defend his title and whatnot. Right. But Make the matches short when it's versus talents like this. Yeah, this match did nothing for me. Uh, not for a second that I believe J.D. Drake was going to win this match. And I haven't seen too much of him, but he didn't impress me at all in um, the presentation of him. I just felt like, you know, they kept saying that there's not, nothing too fancy. And that's essentially my takeaway from J.D. Drake. Just, you know, not terrible, but nothing that will drive me to a TV. So hopefully he's got some better stuff in tow. But I don't know why this – Guy came out of well, nowhere to be featured in this division, which is really built up so, or trying to build up that TNT title. So, dear announce booth, never say the words, not, not nothing too fancy here. Yeah, don't say that. Well, and he said not much presentation, uh, not, not crazy about his presentation there, Alfred. Uh, somebody in the chat room, James Potts, says uh, JD Drake looks like Trevor Murdoch and Bob Backlund had a son. <laughs> yes. Sprinkle yes. a little bit of Kevin Owens, too. <laughs> there you go. Uh, the real note of business here is after the match, Allen up on the stage, he gets um, uh, attacked from behind by the butcher. All of a sudden, here comes Hardy and his entire uh, group now. They're out there. Bunny runs out. She's over a commentary yelling at the commentators. And then all of a sudden, here comes Dark Order. Uh, Sting runs off Dark Order. So now that leaves Bunny by herself trapped. Uh, Tay Conti from the Dark Order, who she's going to have a match with here in a minute, she uh, proceeds to shoot, shoot her to the ground, pummels them ground and pound. And that sets us up uh, after the break to come back to uh, the match of uh of Conti and uh of Kawa Conti and, and her are gonna have the match where are we at you suck here? at reading that you're fine nah whatever uh they're gonna have a match later that's like a little teaser <laughs> uh, in, in between that here's the rest of the pinnacle and Chris Jericho stuff so backstage Marvez talking to Jericho is by himself all of a sudden Jericho gets blindsided by all the pinnacle they beat him up drag him to the ring they're, MJF's choking him with a scarf FTR does a spike pile driver. The whole time they're asking, okay, well, where the hell is the rest of the uh, inner circle? Why aren't they out here? <clears throat> well, then Marvez has a cameraman and is, and is chasing him down the hallway, and we come to see the inner circle's dressing room was uh, dead bolted shut. So now the group from inside of the, in the, of the dressing room is trying to, you know, uh, get, you know uh, get, get out of their barricade. Meanwhile, Jericho's just getting his ass kicked. So as Jericho's getting his ass kicked, all of a sudden here comes Mike Tyson. Of course, you'll recall last time Tyson was on AEW, he and Jericho were at odds. But now Tyson's out there. And he comes out, and uh, he starts throwing a fury of punches on, you guessed it, Sean Spears. <laughs> he gets Sean Spears in the corner and just proceeds to unload as Mike Tyson would. Obviously, they told him to stick to the body. Don't. <laughs> we know you can't throw a working punch to the face. Yes, which smart, which was very smart. It was. Um, so he continues to, to, to pummel on, uh, inner, on uh, Spears. Uh, eventually, um, Inner Circle does uh, make it out there. So... Um, so yeah, so and we we're now, and next week we are going to have Jericho versus uh, one of the FTR members, and it's going to be uh, everybody else going to be barred from the ringside, and Tyson will be the special enforcer. Timeout. 
All right. So let me get this straight. Go ahead. Pinnacle, the next big thing in wrestling stables. I could see them on the front cover, Pro Wrestling Illustrated, for years to come after their debut of finally being a group. MJF doing the unthinkable, outsmarting Chris Jericho, one of the smartest, if not the, in pro wrestling today, right? Great, great establishment of an amazing group of heels. Finally, you know, we we, we have, uh, um, what's the tag team's name? Come on. Uh, FTR? FTR. FTR. I always want to call them their name. Um, FTR. To, uh, throwback, if you will, of Tully and Arn, but in today's modern era, they're amazing to watch. Or some of my favorite acts to watch those two. They're finally in a group and a gang and a stable that it makes sense. It works. It says main event written all over this stable. They can't even get two weeks worth of heat on their baby faces. Chris Jericho in his stable, the inner circle, uh, inner circle, then leaves them bloodied, dead, and buried. I'm not exaggerating, folks. Go back and watch the tape. They were bloodied. And their lead, Ric Flair, if you will, was chocolate swirled in a toilet before being disposed to a Pepsi uh, front glass window of a Pepsi machine and then dragged out and thrown out like a piece of bleep. Literally. That's how he was handled, MJF, that, 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 that night. All right. Followed then by this week, we get the follow-up where the babyface uh, inner circle stable cuts these great uh, cut Jericho cuts this amazing, amazingly funny, right? Very witty, very good, fiery promo, talking shit about their opponents, not building them up whatsoever, just continuing to wipe his tush. Yes, I said tush with each and every one of those uh, stable. Um, uh, Pinnacle stablemate faces one by one throughout that promo. Doesn't none of them get over from it? They just get buried from it. And then we get a little tease here. Maybe MJF finally did it. He outsmarted Chris Jericho by locking his gang, his gang, his stable in the locker room. Bolted it shut. Finally outsmarted him again. He's get they're getting heat on Jericho. And it didn't last for ten seconds before. Mike Tyson. Why not Mike Tyson, right? Why not? Larry the Cable Guy must have been busy. I don't know. But Mike Tyson comes on out, just randomly starts beating up this new vicious stable. Um, and then, oh, yeah, by the way, um, the babyface stable does get out of the locker room finally, and we go off the air with that. This is the shit I'm talking about. This is terrible. So my by my book, it's three to one. Baby faces have absolutely owned this new hit heel stable. And I don't know why it doesn't irk more fans. It irks the crap out of me. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said about the treatment of the pinnacle, given how much heat they came in with. Um, but again, I really enjoyed these two interplays tonight. Uh, I did think that Jericho was just going to get his ass beat, and I like the fact that there's a story as to why the baby faces weren't coming down to save him. They got locked in their room. Um, but you know, AEW opted to have the baby faces outsmart the heels and you know, bust down the doors. And I actually they did this in a way where I was happy to see Mike Tyson come down and save Chris Jericho. I just thought it was such a 
out of left field way to come out here. It's weird because they both fought the last time they were in the ring. That, that, yeah, that's the problem. Why that's is Tyson the out there? Yeah, that is kind of contradictory, but it was, you know, it didn't come out of nowhere for me, and it did catch me by surprise. It, you know? all, it all goes back to the same thing I'm trying to get to. Why are they so stuck in this lane of the inner circle has to shine more? I don't understand it. I don't. The inner circle is not impressive. It's just it, with Jericho, it is just Chris Jericho by himself. Uh, pay for his matches every fuck every time. Love watching his stuff. Love his promos. Love everything about him. All right. The rest of them, man, no. It's Sammy Guevara. Okay, I take that back. Sammy Guevara. That's it. Jack does nothing for me. Uh, proud and powerful, whatever the hell their name is, doesn't do much for me either. Um, it's not even debatable which of these two stables stables is better than the other. Which of these two stables has more potential? As a group, not as singles, as a group of four or five, it's not even debatable. The Pinnacle has better stars in it from top to bottom. Inner Circle only has Sammy Guevara. That is a breakout babyface waiting to happen. They need to let it happen already because he's a stud. And Chris Jericho by himself. The other three, I don't care about and I'm never going to. Yeah, again, to the back to the Tyson thing, I, I would have just preferred just to stick with consistency. I mean, because they never really did follow up on Jericho Tyson back in the summer. I would have rather the place for this. Well, I would have rather Tyson been the again the extra little nugget that MJF opens up his wallet and gets Tyson back here to help 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 okay. people out. Small. You know, like it makes okay. no, it makes no sense as to why Tyson just showed up and bailed out Chris Jericho. There's no that reason. that right there was better than what we saw tonight. Your idea right there, Justin, would have worked actually. It would have made sense. Yeah. But um, again, Nicole did not stand tall. They had a five or what five, with, with Tully, a five on one beat down and they couldn't finish the job. They look so freaking weak. How don't you see this? Tim Mickles, dollar 99 lacks crescendo. I'm with Matt. LOL. So somebody's there with you, Matt. Tim is. Oh yeah. Crescendo. The great word. <laughs> Uh, hang on, we got another uh, JD Drake looks like. Uh, JD Drake, this is Chris uh, 499. JD Drake looks like a no holds barred movie extra when he'd say, What's that smell in the bathroom scene with Stan Hansen? Nuki. Okay. Oh, I got some comedians in the chat room tonight booking for us. Um, yeah, yeah, so Tyson, I guess. Uh, so we're going to see him next week on Dynamite. Obviously, they'll be taping next week's Dynamite. So, so here's what will happen what you just said is what I think is going to happen. It's going to be Tyson turn, uh, turning somehow and and uh, and costing Jericho somehow. So it's basically like Tyson 98 in WWE. We thought yes. that he was with DX, then he ended up turning on DX and helping Austin when Austin was outnumbered. That's my prediction. That's what I think is going to happen. Is it confirmed that he's going to be back next week and that he's going to be a regular... They promote. They, they promoted the, the show, the graphic. He's special enforcer. Well, Everybody he's else is special enforcer. Oh, okay, okay, that's right. That's yeah. right. So. That's what I think will happen. But even with that, I, again, you bury these four, you four or five guys already too much. I, I, I won't. I don't know. Uh, this was a good promo. This was a tape promo from earlier in the day with Tony Schiavone with Britt Baker. Britt basically saying, Tony Khan, give the people they want. Give me a title match. And then, of course, Tony goes, hey, Britt, you're only ranked fourth. She goes, yeah, let's go talk about these rankings. She goes, you want to talk about wins and loss? She goes, Who's got the ratings? Who's got the merch sales? Who's got the demo? She goes, that would be me. The system is broken. She goes, I'm going to climb up the ladder and prove myself. I'm going to be on Dynamite, Evolution, and Dark to get my wins up. So, uh, Britt, call on the shot that she's getting in line good. for this title soon. Yes, She good. should. She's the most over-female talent in that damn locker room. I don't know what yep. they're waiting for. 
Uh, but this is an excellent promo by B- Britt Baker. I like yes, the, the call behind it. It was just a realistic way of approaching the way AEW does things. So I loved it. Yep. Okay, now we get the bunny versus Ty Conti. Uh, oh, oh. Yeah, now we get it. I, I couldn't remember what it was. This definitely got my attention off of NXT. No, it didn't. Uh, yeah, Conti, second row suplex, uh, and then hangs out and hits the DD Tay. Uh, for the one, two, three, so she gets the pinfall. So, uh, kind of a throwaway females matches before we go to the main event. Was a throwaway. Uh, and that main event is Kenny Omega and the Good Brothers up against Moxley and the Young Bucks. So the drama, of course, we've if you've been following along, the Young Bucks, uh, uh, more and more growing distant from Omega. It would seem Omega brainwashed with Callus and got his Good Brothers uh, buddies. Uh, but then we start to get up. We start to, the, the 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 emotion of the match is basically the Bucks have Kenny just down and beat and have a chance to really just put him out of his misery, and they just can't bring themselves to hit that final super kick when they should or, or, or you know, just you know, deliver that final bu- bullet. That's pissing Moxley off. Moxley's hollering at him, come on. Moxley comes in, does the dirty work for them, until finally, after what looks to be a lot of uh, struggle and emotion, the Bucks super kick Moxley uh, ultimately ends up leading to be uh, dragging uh, Omega on top of, the, uh, on top of um, Moxley, getting the win, and then post-match, Again, they still are selling that they're conflicted, and but finally, with holding Moxley there, Callis and them holding Moxley, the Bucks give one more super kick to Moxley, and it appears uh, they are back with Omega. And the, the closing words from Excalibur: uh, "Being the elite is back. The Bullet Club is so, back." So, real quick, this would have been a lot better had the Bucks just been decisive about it. So, uh, we reeled yeah. you in this whole time. We reeled you suckers in this whole time. Um, because it makes them look weak. It does make them look weak. Um, okay, I could get to com- being conflicted about Kenny. That's your boy. You don't know what uh, what's his name. Anything. He's a W. He's a New York guy. He's a WWE guy. That ain't one of your boys. That ain't one of your dogs. You had no problem kicking his face right off and enjoying it. You know what I mean? Like I would have totally acted like this whole soft young buck stuff was a complete work, and you all bought it hook, line, and sinker just so we can get, um, not Dean Ambrose, Moxley, to get Moxley in this exact situation with all five of us putting boots right down his gullet. You know what I mean? It's something to that effect, to, um, to get him comfortable enough to get him to actually believe that we would go against Kenny Omega. Are you out of your mind? You idiot. You know, that kind of thing. Um, and they would have had so much more swagger with that. They would have been way cooler doing that. And they would have been a lot more heelish doing that. I mean, did you feel like they were like they were heels with those no. facial reactions out there? I didn't. I felt like somebody put a gun to their head and made them do it. Yeah. You know, it, it, like that's not what I want to feel for my heels. I want to be very, very concise that I want I want to boo you. Please make have me emotionally get so angry with you that I want to boo you. Yeah, this the young bucks are getting very frustrating to watch in terms of how they book. Like, I think I appreciate what yes. they're trying to do. They do a lot of existential booking, like they're booked like they're in a midlife crisis or something, to where yes. they turn heel for a while when they were feuding with Kenny and Adam Page. But no, no, they weren't really heels. They were just going through something, and then they turned heel again apparently when they joined the Bullet Club. But no, 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 it was just uh, conflicted, nope. and now they're right back doing that again. So it's just they need yes. to pick a lane. Pro wrestling is best when it's black and white and we're painting with broad brushes and they need yes. to just decide if they're bad or if they're good because this is getting very frustrating to watch. I didn't it know is. if I was watching the beginning or something or the middle of something and I just didn't know what to think coming off the air. Very Mike, well said, Alfred. I agree. Yeah, what I was saying to myself as I watched this and then it went off the air is 
never mind what the, the you know Matt's critiques of Pinnacle Inner Circle the last two weeks, but just think about everything with the Inner Circle with MJF, and, and you knew that it was leading to something, but we did not know that it was leading to MJF having his own group. Like you know how that went down, that the way the Pinnacle was no. formed, it looked good. Like yes. it was, it was very clear that like three yes. months, six months ago, that when they started doing the MJF is in the Inner Circle, that they, they they knew that they knew the ending point being the Pinnacle gets created and they work backwards. Yes, this does not feel. This literally feels like they are making this shit up as they go along. Yeah. They cannot decide <laughs> where they want to be. It does. That's where this. That, that's what this feels like. Is that they they don't know. Like and then they're getting like like you said, Alfred. They're getting real deep in the weeds. Like, well, no, no. It's it's kind of like the it's kind of like Coach Klein when he's first pitching the play to Waterboy. He's like the quarterback. He moves left. No, he moves right. And then he fa- no, he doesn't fake. He thinks about faking. He thinks about like they are getting so like deep in the weeds of like we raise our eyebrows yeah. in uncertainty, and then we deliver the kick. But then oh, we rub our faces in, in, in regret and remorse. It, yeah. like, it, like, it's like, no, just, <laughs> yeah. just, this is, you know, I mean, it's, yeah, it's. That was good. You're right. <laughs> I don't, I don't, I don't feel this the way I'm supposed to feel this, but. No. Uh, so that was Dynamite. Um, we had one other super chat, which will kind of give the one piece of other news to talk about. Or not, it's not even news. <laughs> just, uh, uh, real quick here. Uh, Michael Sachs Jr., $3 and 16 cents. Let's see what you did there. Uh, he says, finally yeah. agree with Punk. Vince is not afraid of AEW. This is in the context of these comments. If you missed it, Chris Jericho, yeah, court, Chris Jericho is going to be on Austin's Broken Skull yeah. sessions interview after Mania, which yeah. obviously caught a lot of people by surprise, being he's in AEW. Yeah. And uh, CM Punk made a comment of basically saying, like, and Austin confirmed that Vince totally okay this. And Punk basically says, "This is Vince saying." AEW is not a threat to me. I don't even care. I'm not even going to acknowledge him. Sure, Jericho wants to come on and talk to his old buddy Steve. Have at it. I don't care about that AEW group. So that's that's that was Punk's latest uh, okay. chime in from his. Vince uh, also wasn't scared of WCW at first either. He doesn't need to be scared. We don't need him to be scared. We just need AEW to keep doing better, keep doing what they're doing, except for this inner circle pinnacle stuff. They've got to improve that. Um, but other than that, I'm sorry. I like their roster better. I like their talents better. I know that might sound crazy, but well, you know, I enjoy the AEW show more than I do WWE. Well, you know, Matt, you say Vince, you know, Vince, maybe you know, he wasn't scared of WWE start, but it, it's funny because I'll, I'll, this just ties back into something Bruce Pritchard just said the other day. Um, you know, if you think about like Mania 12, 96, uh, you know, Vince was doing the Huckster and the Nacho Man skits and the Billionaire Ted making fun of WCW for having all the old people. Um, he was already there. Yeah, what was, I'm saying. He was, already, he was already at that point, though. He was already. He already knew who they were, and he did who they. Is it was, it was very. That was very different. But I'm saying I'm, the very, very beginning when NWA. I'm saying. Oh, oh, okay, way earlier. Okay. Well, what what I was getting what I was getting at is Pritchard said the other day on one of his more recent podcasts. I thought it's interesting. Is uh, he was talking about this that that time WrestleMania 12 and that 96 time, and he said if, if in hindsight 2020 if they could go back. It would be not to acknowledge WCW at all. Not don't acknowledge that Hall and Nash are going over there by doing fake diesel fake. Don't even because it gave credibility, it gave people reason to look over there. And so I almost wonder. Now here we are, twenty plus years later, they're they're potentially yeah. brewing in a new situation again. If if the mindset is let's again, we just absolutely are not going to speak their name or even utter anything about them. Well, I'll tell you, I don't think it means he fears them or not. Like for instance, there was absolutely a mandate they couldn't say TNA. Absolutely, there was when Hulk went there. Or two hours. Um, did, did nobody for one second thought Vince was scared of TNA Impact Wrestling. 
Um, but there was absolutely a man that you could not talk about that in interviews or anything of the like. Abs- that, I, I didn't take that as, oh, they're scared of us. You know what I mean? So whether this means this or this doesn't mean that, at the end of the day, Vince isn't scared of anything or anybody. Right. Um, but that still doesn't mean a company can't come. I mean, I don't think we'll ever see it, but I hope we do. Um, I think AEW will be the closest thing we'll ever have to seeing it happen. I hope so, at least. Yeah, I don't think Vince is scared of anything. I don't think it's a story that Vince is is not scared of AEW. My concern would be if he just right. toward him or because pride comes before the fall. Like, yeah, Vince was not scared of WCW when they first got there. And he let Hulk Hogan go. He let Randy Savage go, Piper go. Then they came back and kicked his ass for 82 weeks. And it was really WCW's own self-inflicted wounds that hurt that company. So now here's a right. company with the right minds in place. And if Vince McMahon does not take them seriously and they, you know, they've got Chris Jericho and they've got a lot of Vince's old stars who are now doing very well on television. If yeah. Vince takes that same attitude to a company like AEW, as long as they continue, like Matt said, to, to mind their P's and Q's and not screw themselves over, uh, then Vince is going to have a whole other problem um, on his hands and WWE's hands for generations to come. And uh, worth noting about uh, you know who the worth noting about the powers. Uh, both Vince and Tony Khan's father made the uh, the top billionaires list uh, that came out. Uh, Believe today, so um, Pumpkinhead five dollars. If Vince wasn't scared of God, you expect him to be scared of AEW. <laughs> Good point. Yeah, <laughs> really. <laughs> All right, guys, one to ten. What do you guys give tonight's uh, AEW? Solid seven, uh, six and a half. I give it a seven and a half. I'll fall in the middle and say seven because because there's a couple promos, Brits and Stings, and ones that I liked. There's some good moments on the show. Well, folks, we appreciate you coming on out and joining us here on Wrestling Inc. NXT slash AEW's podcast. I don't know. I'm just pretending I'm closing the show. Alfred, you're not closing the show. Alfred and I will be back tomorrow night for night two of NXT. Then Sunday morning, join me on Busted Open Radio 10 a.m. with Mark Henry and Dave Greca. Then Friday night, join whatever crew's here for post-Smackdown. And then Mania, Saturday and Sunday. I'll be back here, I think, with Alfred on Mania night one. So we got got so much to go here in this uh, crazy week. Uh, hope, hope you guys all stay up with us. It's going to be a lot of fun. For Matt, for Alfred, I'm Justin. Thanks for the super chats. Thanks for all the chats and the uh, uh, participation. Tell a friend. See ya.